And Jane actually goes really well with tonight's message. So uh, she's been such an answered prayer. For those of you who have, you know, walked with us and done life with us for the last year or so, uh, you would know that, you know, getting pregnant was not easy for us. And then we did get pregnant eventually, but then we miscarried after that. And then we went into another season of trying to get pregnant. And it's just this, this roller coaster ride. And eventually God came through. And now we have baby Jane. It's just incredible. And everything about the pregnancy and the delivery and everything was just so smooth. Uh, she's very healthy. Emily's doing well. So we're just so thankful for that. And uh, yeah, so tonight I want to talk about uh, the dreams that each of us come in here with. So for me, a dream was to have children, and God has come through on that. But I want to look at your dreams tonight a little bit. Uh, talk about uh, the dreams that God has for you and how you see those dreams come to pass. So all of us come in here tonight with dreams. We, uh, some of you have a dream to, uh, to be successful in your career. So maybe you want to be the best teacher in the world. You want to uh, revolutionize education. Or maybe you want to start a business you're an entrepreneur, you have great ideas, like you're like Ryan Howard from The Office, like you just have great ideas, and you want to start businesses. Or maybe you uh, come in here tonight and you want to uh, go into full-time ministry. You know, there's, uh, there's numerous amount of careers that you could want uh, to seek out. Uh, some of you have a dream to meet someone who's incredible, who can be your spouse, and who you can enjoy life with, who will say, I do to you. And you've been waiting for that person. That person doesn't seem to be coming. You know, every time you meet someone of the opposite sex who's attractive, you say, could that be my husband? Could that be my wife? Is that person the one? I used to do that all the time. Like, I met any pretty Christian girl. I was like, hey, it's going to be my wife. <laughs> Eventually, it worked out for me. Um, and others of you dream of having a family, just like I've dreamed of. You have this dream to have children someday who will love you, uh, and children who will make a positive impact on the world. But tonight what I want to propose to you is that God has dreams for you. And his dreams for you are probably more profound than the dreams that you've come up with on your own. They're probably a little bit different than the dreams that you might originally have in your own mind. God has ideas for your life. He has a vision for your life. And all of us won't see those dreams come to pass. We won't. Some of us will miss it. Some of us will pursue something our entire lives that God does not want us to pursue. Some of us will get in the center of that and we'll see God do incredible things. It's important for you to figure out what God's dreams are for your life and to begin to follow those dreams because every minute you spend pursuing dreams that are not God's is a minute of, of wasted time. Every moment you spend pursuing things that are not God's best for you are a waste of time. And you won't be satisfied if you pursue your own dreams. You won't. You'll get those dreams, perhaps, and then you'll be unsatisfied. You'll feel like it's not enough. But God has dreams for you that are perfect for your personality. They're perfect for who you are, for what he's called you to be, for what he's called you to do. And if you get in the center of that, then you're going to find joy. You're going to find peace. You're going to feel this profound sense that you are doing what you are put on this earth to do. But the question I want to look at tonight is not uh, your specific dreams per se, but instead, how do we see God's dreams come to pass? How do we live the life that God created us to live? So last week, we kicked off this series called Constant, and like this was supposed to be part one. I was supposed to kind of introduce the series to you, but the baby came, so we did part two last week, so you, uh, you may have been confused, like what is this series exactly about? So I'm going to explain that to you. Uh, the big idea of this series is that God has called us to be steadfast 
and to be faithful in the midst of our constantly shifting world. We live in a world that's shifting from left to right, a world that is turbulent, a world that you cannot trust. There's this shifting world all around us, and God has called you to be a steadfast, faithful, committed presence in the midst of this world. As the world shifts, you are called to stand on the solid rock of Christ and to be constant, to be steadfast, to be faithful. In Exodus chapter 34, God gives Moses the law. And before he does that, he describes himself. It says this in chapter 34, verse 6. This is one of the only times in the Bible when God describes himself. He says this. It says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This is important because, like I said, this is one of the only times that God describes himself specifically. And notice how he describes himself. He says, I'm merciful. So this is who God is. So if you're wondering, who is God? This is who he is. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. Some of you need to hear that tonight. He's slow to anger. He's patient with you. He's long-suffering with you. He's abounding in steadfast love, and he's abounding in faithfulness. So faithfulness This idea of being steady and firm and unshifting is part of the very nature of God. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ or if you're a child of God, God has called you to be like him, to be merciful, to be gracious, to be slow to anger, to be abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So let me ask you this tonight. Do you feel like you're a faithful person? Are you loyal? Are you committed? Are you steadfast? Do you stay with your feet planted firm on a solid ground, or do you get tossed around based upon who's around you or what the world's saying? If you're a follower of Christ, you are called to be faithful. You're called to be constant. You're called to be this faithful presence in the world. You're called to be like the bridge that's in the graphic for our series. You may be wondering, what's the bridge for? As the bridge faithfully stands in the midst of and provides passageway over turbulent waters, followers of Christ are called to be a steady presence in our fallen world. Bridges are able to stay steady and provide safe passageway for people because the builders dig or dig the roots down deep into the water. They, they build these strong foundations. So followers of Christ are called to put their roots in the ground to build these firm foundations, these certain truths that they stand on and say, I will not move from these truths. I'm going to stay firm. And even when midterms are going on, I'm going to be the same person, not a grump, Okay. I'm just feeling some grumpiness in the room tonight. But I'm going to be firm. I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to be solid. And as I'm firm and consistent and solid, people can walk over my shoulders or, in a sense, stand on my shoulders and see Christ. They can, or they can walk over the bridge, over the turbulent waters, and find Christ on the other side as they see that I am someone who does not move with the world. But instead, I stay firm. That's what we're going to be talking about in this series. So tonight we're going to talk about specifically what it looks like to be successful in life. We're going to talk about what it looks like to see our dreams come to pass. And the thing we're going to see is that success is faithfulness. Success is faithfulness. So the title of tonight's sermon is Redefining Success. And we're going to redefine success. It's not about being the most talented, the most gifted, getting the most money, get, or getting the most ladies, getting the most guys. It's not about that. Instead, it's about being faithful. Okay? So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 37 through chapter 50. We're not going to read all 13 chapters. I'm going to just pluck out a few things. And look at the story of Joseph, okay? So Joseph is probably the single best example besides Jesus Christ himself of someone who is faithful in the Bible. 
If you don't know much about the Old Testament in the book of Genesis specifically, I want to give you a tiny, tiny overview so you can understand Joseph's story. I think I have a slide for that. So Genesis is the first book of the Bible. Uh, Genesis chapters 1 through 11 is the story of how God began the world. So there's things like the creation story, the flood, like all those popular stories you've heard. And then in chapter 12, Genesis shifts and it zooms in on a certain person named Abraham because God is going to call a certain person named Abraham to start a family, okay, and to have children who have children who have children who become the nation of Israel. And then out of Israel's nation is going to come Jesus Christ who's going to save the world. So God's plan to save the world because in Genesis chapter 3 we fell. God's plan to save the world is to save the world through a people and that's the Israelites. And Jesus is going to be the faithful Israelite. All right? But there's Abraham and he has a son named Isaac who has a son named Jacob who has 12 sons and one of those sons is Joseph. And tonight we're going to look at his story in Genesis 37. So let's look at that really quick. Actually, I'm going to pray first and then we'll read the first 11 verses of that. So God, we just pray tonight that you'd speak to us, uh, that you'd have your way, that if there's any, uh, there's any confusion in this place, if there's any struggle, God, I pray that you would just kind of clear that out right now, that you'd help us to, to flee all anxiety or anything like that. But God, I pray that just right now we'd be able to tune into what heaven is saying. We'd be able to hear the conversation that's happening in heaven and that the Holy Spirit uh, would be able to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's kick it off. Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings, in the land of Canaan. And these are the generations of Jacob. Uh, Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. And he was a boy with the sons of Bela and, C- and Zilpha, his father's wives. Back then, they had a lot of wives, okay? That actually caused Jacob a lot of problems, if you read the story. But anyways, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father, and now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age. So Jacob's name was also Israel. It says here that uh, Joseph was one of his, or Joseph was his uh, favorite son, and he made him a robe of many colors. But then when their brothers saw that their, father, that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him for it, and they could not speak peacefully to him. And then Joseph has this dream, okay? He has this dream. It's a dream from God. It's straight from the mouth of God, or from the heart of God. But it's a dream that he probably shouldn't share with other people, all right? So the dream is essentially that there's these sheaves bowing down to him, okay? And then he has a second dream, and it's where uh, or the moon and the stars and people are bowing down to him, okay? And what the dream is saying is that Joseph's family is going to bow to him at some point, and he shares that with his brothers, and he shares it with his father. It's not a good idea, especially when you're the youngest or the second youngest. You do not say that you're going to bow down to me. Like, older brothers do not want to hear that. I do not want to bow down to Derek, Okay? I'm not going to do it. So the brothers got mad. Uh, the father was like, what are you doing, you idiot? That's essentially what happened. So, and then verses 12 through 17, so we're going to skip up a little bit, but verses uh, 12 through 17, Jacob sends Joseph to his brothers to see how they're doing with pasturing a flock. Okay, they're out pasturing a flock. I know you all do that in here. You know, in your free time, you're pasturing a flock. I'm kidding. But then Joseph binds his brothers, and they conspire against him. Okay, so verse 18 says this. It says, they saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. Well, that escalated quickly, right? It's a different time. All right, they said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Here comes this dreamer. Sometimes the world does not like it when you have big dreams. That's just the reality. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. And then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. But then Reuben heard it, and he rescued him out of their hands, saying, let us not take his life. 
And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, and throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him, that he might, that he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and they threw him into a pit. The pit was empty and there was no water in it. Okay, so that escalated quickly. They throw him into a pit, but then they decide not to kill Joseph. Okay, so in verses 25 through 36, we see that, and instead they sell him as a slave to a caravan of Ishmaelites, and his, and his brothers make it appear that he died. They dip his robe in blood, they bring it back to the father, and the father's really sad. All right, so all that to say, here's the first point. God has incredible dreams for us, but there's going to be opposition to seeing his dreams for our our lives come to pass. So Joseph is his favorite child. He gives him this provocative robe, like he's a straight-up baller, like he looks good. He's got a rainbow robe on. He's walking around, being a stud. He gets this dream that his brothers and his entire family are going to to bow down to him, and he shares it with his family. So guys, like here's one thing I just want to say to you. Just use wisdom, okay? He did not use wisdom here. It only intensifies the hatred of his family towards him, okay? So he shares the dream, and then his brothers decide to put this dreamer in a pit, and they sell him as a slave. So think about how confusing this was to Joseph, okay? So one moment, he's hearing, wow, people are going to bow down to me. I'm going to be a great leader. People are going to bow down to me. This is incredible. And then the next moment, he's in a caravan, tied up and going to be a slave to the Ishmaelites. What happened? What is going on here? I thought God said I was going to be this great leader. The beginning of Joseph's story shows us that God surely does have dreams for each and every one of us. Every one of you, God has a dream in his heart for you, a very specific dream that only you can accomplish. But there's going to be opposition to seeing that dream come to pass. There will be opposition. This will not be easy. When you hear a dream from God, when you see a dream from God, it's not going to be easy to see this come to pass. So I shared the story of Jane. That was a dream that God put in my heart, but it was not easy to see that come to pass. It took prayer. It took trying and trying again. It took trusting God even when nothing was happening. And for you, God has given you dreams tonight. There are specific dreams for you, and you're going to experience opposition. But I want to encourage you tonight. When you experience opposition, I encourage you to recognize it for what it is. It does not mean that God has not called you to that dream, okay? If it's from God, it's from God, right? But instead, it means it's a step in the journey, and God is going to use the opposition to form you and shape you into the person that he's called you to be. Because here's something about God. He is more concerned with who you're becoming than what you're doing. He's more concerned with you becoming a fully formed follower of Christ than he is with you fulfilling your dreams. So God sometimes will send opposition your way or help allow opposition to, or to come your way so you can be further formed into the person that he's called you to be. So, so when you experience opposition, you are called to be faithful and you're called to wait on God. In my Bible plan this morning, I read in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 26, it says this, it's good, or it's good that, that one should quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. There's something good about waiting. There's something good about just not getting it right here and right now. There's something holy about saying, God, I know you have great dreams for me, but I'm going to wait for it to happen. It may not be happening right now. I may be in a caravan headed to God knows where, but I know that there's a dream that you have for me. So stay true even in the midst of opposition. So maybe you're called to graduate from this university, but finances are tough. So what do you do when finances get tough? Do you throw in the towel or do you stay 
faithful. If God's called you here, okay, if he hasn't called you here, maybe you need to drop out. But if God's called you here, then you need to stay faithful. Or maybe God has called you to marry someone who loves Christ. And every guy you meet is a chump. He doesn't love Christ. No one loves Christ. All the good-looking guys don't, at least. I guess goofy-looking ones do, but no good-looking guys love Christ. And what are you called to do? Are you called to say, hey, I'm just going to marry someone who doesn't love Christ, or who kind of loves Christ, or who I have to beg to come to church with me? No, you're going to regret it. It'd be better to be single than to marry someone who won't go to church with you, all right? But instead, you wait, and you say, it is good for a person to wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good to wait. So you wait, all right, and let God deliver you. Or maybe you're called to get your small, or to get your entire dormitory floor to your small group, and you've been inviting them faithfully, and they're not coming. So what do you do? Do you say, forget about them? Forget about them. I don't care about them anymore. No, instead you pray. You stay faithful. You say, God, I'm going to be the best friend I could ever be, and if they ever want to come to my small group, I'll be ready to invite them in. You be faithful. So when you experience opposition, stay with your feet planted firm on solid ground of the dreams that God has given you, and be faithful. All right? So I want to ask you this question. What is God's dream for you? What is God's dream for you? And are you prepared to persevere to see that dream come to pass no matter what and no matter what life throws your way? Are you willing to persevere? That's the question. All right, Genesis 39, 1 through 6. Let's see what happens after Joseph is sold into slavery. It says he's brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the, from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there and the Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of everything that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had, in house and field, so he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. So Joseph was a boss slave, really good at it. Second point tonight is this. When we are faithful to God, his favor is going to follow you. If you're faithful to what God has called you to do, and you have your feet planted firmly, his favor can't help but just chase you down. His favor is going to follow you. God loves to find people who he can trust and give them a lot. He says, to the one who has, more will be given, but to the one who has not, even that's going to be taken away. God calls you to be faithful, and if he can trust you with the little things, he'll be able to trust you with the big things. God is calling you to be faithful, and as, and as you're faithful, his favor will follow you. So when Joseph was sold into slavery, he had two choices. One, throw in the towel, shake his fist at God, I'm angry at you. I'm 17, and my dreams have not happened yet. Or, second choice, which is what some of us do, like you're 18, 19 years old, and you're like, why have I not met a godly spouse yet? Well, hold your horse. The horse is there, all right? It's going to be okay. You can wait till you're 25. All right, I've been married for five years, and I'm 25, so I can't really say a whole lot. But be faithful. Wait. All right, second thing you can do, though, is be faithful with what God gives you. So Joseph chose to be faithful. He chose to be faithful with the little things that God had trusted him with, and as he did that, he experienced promotion and favor. So Luke chapter 18, verse 10 says, One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. So Joseph's story shows us that 
that when we obey God and are faithful to him, then he will often trust us with more. All right, so I share that to say, if you want to see God's dreams for your life come to pass, you have to be faithful with the small things he's given you now. If you want to be a great teacher, all right, some of you are listening now, you're like, huh, that's me. If you want to be a great teacher, then take advantage of your level ones, twos, threes, seven hundreds. I don't know how many there are, but take advantage of them. <laughs> I feel like it just keeps going. But take advantage of them and get around great teachers and learn from them. Don't just be a bump on a log in the classroom, but instead say, I want to learn from this person who's been doing it longer than I have. Be faithful with the little things that God gives you, like that great opportunity to be in a classroom, which is really a great opportunity. It truly is. So take advantage of that. If you want to be a great spouse who loves Jesus, or if you want to have a spouse who loves Jesus, then be faithful now and stop worrying about finding the one, but instead worry about becoming the one, okay? We're always looking for the one, but we don't actually want to be the one, all right? Or if you want to be a great leader, the best way to, to be a great leader is to be a great follower, okay? Honor those who have been put in authority over your life. Be faithful to them, honor them, and be someone who can be trusted, if you do that, God will promote you in the future. I just know it to be true. I've seen it time and time again. If we want to be, if we want to see God's dreams come to pass, we have to be faithful with what he's given us now. So with that said, I want to ask you a second question. Can you be trusted with, with what God has given you now so you can be trusted with more later? Are you a trustworthy person with the little things that he's given you now? That's a question you should consider. So Despite experiencing this favor and promotion, Joseph then runs into another snag. He runs into his biggest test yet. And we see this in chapter 39, verse 6b through 20. So it says that Joseph was handsome. He was a stud muffin, a 10 out of 10. And after a time, his, or his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph. He had a six-pack, and she's like, lie with me, boy. Lie with me. But he refused. I got to keep it interesting because you all fall asleep. <laughs> But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because my father has no concern about anything in the house, and he's put everything that he has in my charge, because of me he's done this. And then verse 9, He's not greater in this house than I am, and nor has he kept back anything from me except for you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And she kept trying to get Joseph to sleep with her, you know, She's putting on that fresh makeup, you know, busting moves, but it was not working out. And then in verse 11, it says, But then one day when he went into his house to do his work, and none of the men of the house were in there, she caught him by the garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us, he came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up the garment until her master came home, and she told him the same story. And essentially what happens is he gets kicked out and put in prison because of this false accusation. The third point tonight is this. The greatest test to seeing God's dreams come to pass is what you do when nobody's watching. It's who you are when you're not on stage. It's who you are when you're not in small group. It's who you are when you're by yourself, when you're not at Chi Alpha. So for those of you leaders, are you the same person when you're leading a small group or leading worship as you are when you're alone? It's a question to ask yourself. For those of you who are trying to grow in the Lord, are you the same person here that you are at home? Or do you shift and change based upon where you're at? Do you make 
different decisions based upon what the consequences will be in the moment. The greatest test of, of having God trust us with much is if we can be faithful in our private time. If we can be faithful when there's no consequences for not being faithful. God is calling us to be a faithful people. So Joseph was faithful with what was in front of him, and he experienced promotion because of it. But then right when things seemed to be going right, Potiphar's wife got an idea. She wanted to sleep with him, and she was committed to seducing him. But he was firm in the midst of this. Men, some of you need to see this and hear this. He was firm. He said, no. He said, God has promised, we, or promised me way greater pleasures than this. It's not worth it. Purity is more important than that temporary pleasure. Some of you women need to hear this too. Purity is more important than that temporary pleasure. God has called me to great things, and I know if I sin in this way, it's going to cut short what God has for me. It's going to forfeit the dreams that God has for my life. We need to be faithful in private. Joseph shows us that. He was willing to sacrifice everything. I'm sure he knew that if he didn't sleep with the master's wife, that she was probably going to accuse him of something. He knew that there would be consequences, but he knew that if he was going to see the dreams that God has for him come to pass, then he needs to be faithful to the one who came up with the dream. He needed to be faithful to God. So with that said, we have to look inward tonight and consider, am I the same person in private as I am in public? Do I seek to live pure when I'm alone? Do I speak highly of people behind their backs? Or do I speak poorly of people behind their backs? Do I lie when it's beneficial to me? Or do I always tell the truth even when it's hard? If we want to see God's dreams come to pass, we have to resolve to always obey him no matter what, no matter what the consequence seems to be in the moment. So with that said, I want to ask you, are you faithful to God in private? Or do you compromise who God has called you to be for some temporary pleasure? It's a question to consider tonight. So, Although Joseph's story has been grim so far, it does turn around, all right? It turns around. His faithfulness pays off, and we see that in the remaining chapters of Genesis. So now I'm going to read chapters 40 through 50. Just kidding. See if you're listening. You're not. All right. So, so verses 39, or chapter 39, verse 21 through 23, this is what happens. So, the, so he's in prison, and he experiences promotion again in prison because he's faithful. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all that he had, and, and whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison didn't even pay attention to him because he trusted Joseph so much. He was, so Joseph constantly gets promoted no matter what situation he's in. And then in chapters 40 through 41, Joseph gets this opportunity to interpret two other prisoners' dreams who happened to have been in Pharaoh's court before, and he interprets them correctly, and then Pharaoh catches wind of this, and Pharaoh says, hey, can you interpret my dream? So Joseph goes from being in prison to getting an opportunity to interpret Pharaoh's dream. And this is what happens when he interprets it. It says, and Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? I want God to say that about me. I want people to say that about me. In whom is the Spirit of God? And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, since he has allowed you to interpret these dreams, then there is none so discerning and wise as you are, and you shall be over my house. So now he's in charge of Pharaoh's house? What in the world? And all my people shall order themselves as you command. And only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. So only Pharaoh is going to be greater than Joseph now. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I've set you over all the land of Egypt. 
Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck like Flav of Flav. And, then, and he made him ride in his second chariot and they called out before him, bow the knee, bow the knee to Joseph, this little Hebrew boy, the 17-year-old boy who got this dream that people would bow to him. Now through slavery and false accusations and prison, now all of a sudden people are bowing down to Joseph. And in chapters 41 through 50, what we see is that the dream that Joseph interprets is a dream that shows that Egypt was going to experience famine. Okay, so God reveals to Joseph that Egypt was going to experience famine and gives Joseph the wisdom on how to handle that famine. So Joseph is able to save hundreds, perhaps thousands and thousands of lives because he prepared Egypt for this famine. And then his family comes up to him and they don't know that he's Joseph. They come and they want to get some food because Egypt had stored up food. And they bow down to him. And the dream comes true because he's the second in command in Egypt and his family needs to come to get food from him. They bow to him and eventually they're uh, restored to each other and Joseph forgives them. And then in chapter 50, verse 20, it says this. So Joseph is saying this. He says, as for you, he says, you meant evil against me. He's talking to his brothers. But God meant it for good to bring it about that there could be many people who should be kept alive as they are today. So what Joseph is saying, he's saying all this happened, all this junk happened because God wanted me to save Egypt. God wanted me to, or to give me a dream in the prison uh, when Pharaoh's officers were there so that I could interpret it and then save Egypt from this famine. God was working all these things together for Joseph's good and to see these dreams come to pass. So the, first, or the fourth and final point is this. If we commit to being faithful to God over the long haul, then we will see God's dreams come to pass. In chapters 40 through 50, we see Joseph's story turn around. From the time that the dream was given to him to his story turning around, 13 years had passed. 13 years of being in slavery, of being beaten, of being in prison, of being falsely accused. He's experiencing all this turmoil for 13 years, and then finally the dream comes to pass. But if he had sacrificed or forfeited faithfulness, he would not have seen the dream come to pass. God trusted him with more because he could trust him with little. In the end, because Joseph remained faithful, God was able to take what was meant for evil and turn it around for good. God was able to fulfill his dream for Joseph and save many people through him. So his story shows us this. It shows us that if we can commit to being faithful to God, not just for a couple months or not just when we're feeling excited, or spiritually jubilant, but if we can be faithful in the ups and the downs of life, then God's dreams for us will come to pass. And we live in this culture right now that values a few seconds of fame over a lifetime of faithfulness. We're constantly celebrating people on social media who made a video that was funny or whatever. It's all about this few seconds of fame. How can I get my name out there? How can I build my brand? But God calls us to be a people who are faithful over a lifetime, and if we do that, we're going to see amazing things happen. Pastor Mark Batterson is an incredible author and pastor in Washington, D.C., and he says this. He says, we live in an ASAP culture right now, as soon as possible. But God calls us to be an ALAP people as long as it takes. God calls us to be people who say, as long as it takes, I'm going to be faithful to God. Another pastor, Eugene Peterson, says that God has called us to embody long obedience in the same direction. So being obedient 
for the long haul in the same direction, moving forward, trusting God no matter what happens. Things can be thrown at us, but we're continuing to move forward, uh, continuing to be obedient. And if we do that, we will see God's will for our lives come to pass. So I love the story of a farmer named Brad Lewis. He's a hero of mine. He's a pastor at North Dakota State University at the Chi Alpha there. 30 years ago, he was a farmer, like I said, he still is, but he felt called to be a Chi Alpha pastor to start one at North Dakota State. For 20 years, he led Chi Alpha there, and it was only about 50 to 70 students, something like that. And about 10 years ago, there was a group of students who came in who began to believe God for the impossible. And it's just, you know, Pastor Brad's a simple guy. Like, you'll probably meet him at some point if you go to our events. It's very simple, preaches for like eight minutes, you know, nothing super profound, just loves people really well. But he gets this group of students that come in, and they begin to believe God for revival on their campus. They begin to pray. They begin to fast. They begin to go to the church in the middle of the night and brew coffee so they can pray all night long for their friends and for their campus. After 20 years, it took 20 years for a group of students like this to come into the campus. And as those students began to pray and began to seek God, revival began to happen on the campus. Hundreds of students began to get saved and, and filled with the Holy Spirit. And the group grew from, from 60 to 800 students in just a matter of a year or two. But it took 20 years of faithfulness from Pastor Brad until that happened. 20 years. Are you willing to stay somewhere and be faithful for 20 years before you see what you want to happen come to pass? Are you willing to be faithful with the little things that God gives you, uh, knowing in your heart that faithfulness is success, not the, and the lights and the fame and all those things? Are you willing to be like Pastor Brad? Are you willing to be like Joseph, someone who's not looking for just a few seconds of of uh, temporary fame or pleasure, but instead someone who is living for the long haul. The key to being successful is not being the most talented. It's not being the most gifted. It's not having the most resources. The key to being successful is being faithful to God, being trustworthy, being constant, firm, steady. Nothing moves you. That's the key. If you want to be great, that's the key. Be faithful to God. So the last question I have for you tonight is this. Are you ready to be faithful to God for a lifetime? Because if you want to see God's dreams happen, it's not going to happen easily. It's not going to be just because all the right things happen for you. It's going to be because you're faithful even in the hard times. Even when you're not feeling it, you continue to press in. So the main idea tonight is this. You probably figured it out by now. Success is being faithful to God over a lifetime. That's success. Plain, simple. If you are faithful to God for your entire life, you will be successful no matter what happens. No matter if you have big and grand always dreams that happen that were just like crazy out of this world, or if you just have more simple and, but still beautiful dreams, like being a good mom or a good dad, or being someone who loves your coworkers. No matter what your dreams are, if you're faithful to God and you obey him, you will see those come to pass assuming that they're God's dreams for you. But you have to figure out what God's dreams are for you, right? You have to figure that out. So once you figure that out, then be faithful to God and let him put the pieces together for your life. So there's varying degrees of faithfulness in this room. Some of you are like so faithful. Like some of us are more naturally faithful. So when I say us, I'm not saying me necessarily. I'm just saying some of us in this room are more naturally faithful. Like you're a very loyal person. Like you don't break up with boyfriends or girlfriends just because you're so stinking loyal. Like you just don't give up on people. Like you're that person who stays in relationships way too long because you're so faithful. You're very steady. You're very constant. You're, you're steadfast. You're, 
immovable. You decided what you believed when you were 10, and you've stuck with it because you are a rock. Some of us in this room, if that's you, if you feel like you're a very faithful person, you don't get tossed around, and, and at times you get discouraged, I just want to encourage you tonight to stay the course. Do not look at what's happening around you. Obviously, look at God and hear what he's telling you. Maybe he's telling you to do something a little bit different. But don't look at all the factors outside of your control, but instead, be faithful to God. Continue to press in. And if you can be someone who's steady and stable and constant like the bridge in the picture, then God will do amazing things through your life. But there's others of you tonight who struggle with being faithful. You struggle with sticking to what God has called you to. Once you experience opposition, you throw in the towel. That's been your experience your entire life. You had a tough time in a sport, quit. That class got too hard, you drop it. That's just kind of who you are. That's part of for whatever reason, it's part of the way you're wired. But God is calling you to a better way tonight. He's not calling you to jump ship as soon as things get tough. There are dreams and visions that God has given you that you've aborted, that you have left out, or hung out to dry because you weren't willing to stick with it. For example, maybe God has called you to wait for a godly spouse, but you've settled for someone else because you don't want to wait. Or perhaps your major was too difficult, so you changed it, even though God called you to do that major. Or maybe you stopped sharing your faith with a family member because they're pretty resistant. Or maybe you stopped praying for a certain person because they've been resistant, or because you haven't seen that prayer answered yet. I'm calling you tonight, or God's calling you tonight, to be faithful, to stick with what he's called you to do, to be loyal, to be steadfast, to be immovable. And there's others tonight who want or who stay faithful uh, to what you know you're supposed to do in the midst of opposition. But unlike Joseph, you struggle to be faithful to God when nobody's looking. Like you're kind of a chameleon. You're one person here and then you're one person there. You kind of just blend into your surroundings. You, uh, you forfeit what God's called you to do when others aren't around. You've given to sin way too easily. Tonight, God wants to encourage you to be a person of character and integrity, to be authentic and real to do hard things even when no one's watching. And if you do that, if you're faithful when nobody's looking, there's no stopping what God will do in your life. And still, yeah, there's some others tonight who you're intrigued by this whole idea of faithfulness, but you have yet to experience the faithfulness of God and the person of Jesus Christ. Like maybe you believe in some type of God, or maybe you never believe in God at all. You've never given your life to Christ. Although we should all seek to be faithful, the Bible tells us that each and every one of us have been unfaithful at one point in time. We have sinned and fallen short. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all been unfaithful. We chose sin over God. And the penalty for our sin is death. But despite being sentenced to death, God sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty for our sin and to be the faithful one in our place, to obey God's law to a T, to be faithful even when it's hard. And the Bible tells us that all we have to do to be forgiven, all we have to do to have the faithfulness of Christ put on our lives, to have the faithfulness of Christ cover us and make us appear spotless and white as snow, all we have to do is to confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. And if we do that, if we trust Jesus, if we trust the faithful one, if we trust the faithful Israelite, Jesus Christ, and God will save us. So tonight, maybe God's calling you to that. Maybe he's calling you to put your trust in someone who is faithful, even though you haven't been faithful. So if you stand with me, we're going to close. 
I think, just to sum it up, I think that, that God's calling this group in this room right now to be a light to the world, not through being loud or obnoxious, not through uh, unnecessarily being the craziest group ever, but instead through being this steady, firm, committed, loyal, faithful group in the midst of a shifting world while our friends shift to the left and to the right and, and they fall over and they're easily swayed by uh, the circumstances around them. God has called us to be faithful, to put our roots down deep in Christ and to be unmovable. All right, so if you'd bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to give you two ways to respond tonight. The first way is this. I, I shared the message of Christ and how you can be saved. And, and really the Bible, all it says to be saved is you just have to put your trust in Christ. So tonight I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And the way we do that here is we just uh, signal a hand to God telling him that, or telling him that uh, we want to trust him. So I'm going to count to three. And when I do, I want you just to slip up, your, or slip up your hand between you and God. All right? So one, two, three. Slip up your hands all across the room. See that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. It's a lot of people. Hands up. All right. So I'm going to pray a simple prayer of repentance and, and putting our faith in Christ. So Jesus, we recognize tonight that you were the faithful one when we were unfaithful. And God, tonight we confess with our mouth that you're Lord, that you're God, that you're the great I am, that you're the King of kings, that you're the Lord of lords. And tonight we ask you to forgive us of our sins, to forgive us of our unfaithfulness, and to invite us into your family. Jesus, we pray that you would make us a son or a daughter of God tonight. In Jesus' name. The second way to respond tonight is this. If you're in this room and you're a follower of Jesus, but you've been convicted by this idea of being faithful, like you get tossed around to too easily and tonight you want to just make a commitment to God saying God I want to be more faithful in the future I just want you to slip up your hand right now to heaven all right all right Jesus we're gonna pray we're gonna pray to Jesus so God we just pray tonight that you'd help us to be a faithful present or presence in our shifting world in the midst of our fallen world we pray that this group that these people that these students here tonight would be steady firm immovable we thank you Jesus in your name amen